All right, what's up, Heartway family? Thank you guys for uh, joining us. We're doing something a little different today. Typically, on the Heartway podcast, you will hear messages that I share on a weekly basis on Sunday mornings to our community. But for a while now, I've been wanting to kind of expand the podcast and make it more about having conversations with people that I know and love and admire and who I feel have so much to offer and contribute to our community. And today I'm with a very special guest. His name is Mark Anthony Lord. Say what's up, man. Hey, so glad to be with you, Dan. Thank you. Hi, Hartway. Glad to meet you all. How did how did we initially connect? Did I reach out to you? I don't know. I don't think so. I think I reached out to you, but it was, you know, it was like Instagram, like bumping into each other or something. And I think I, I saw you over there in Fort Lauderdale and, and you I made, was down in Naples at the time. And you, um, you made the I drive. Think, yeah. We got to hang out, which was like, I felt like we could have hung out for five hours. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We definitely could have. Every time that we get together, it's just incredible conversation, kindred spirits, Tell everybody what you do. Well, I'm a, I am a minister. I'm an, uh, called a New Thought Minister. I was trained at a place called Agape Spiritual Center in Los Angeles. And the uh, founder and minister there is Michael Bernard Beckwith. And uh, he's my minister. And uh, so studied under him and um, founded a spiritual center in Chicago. Ran that for 11 years. And um, that spirit moved me on off of that. And so I was doing consulting, I do online work, um, and I currently have a year-long uh, program called Living the Course, and that is with my uh, friend and business partner, Aaron Abke, and together we move a group of people through the lessons and the teachings of the Course in Miracles. So, um, you know, I'm just a, I'm a spiritual teacher. That's mm-hmm. what I feel like is in my soul, you know, it's my whole life. And these names that you've mentioned, Aaron... Michael Beckwith, these are uh, wonderful teachers who uh, practice a form of spirituality without the baggage of religiosity. Yes. And so definite, yes. definitely some interesting folks for all of you to consider engaging with online and through YouTube. I know Beckwith has been on Oprah and done a yeah. whole bunch of stuff and Aaron's a stud and, and you're a stud, which is why we're talking Cause, cause I love, I love everything you do. And I, I want to start by kind of getting into what you mentioned, which is new thought. And yeah. you have been a minister within a family of churches called unity. So for our, yeah. for our listeners, this is all brand new territory. Can you explain a little bit about new thought and unity and what that means and what it represents? Sure. I'm happy to do that. Give a quick overview of history. Um, New Thought really consists of two lines, both founded here in America, one being the um, science of mind and the other being unity. And they both were founded around the same time, late 1800s, early 1900s. And they're different in a few ways. Unity was what I was raised in. And then when I switched over to Agape, started studying science of mind. So I do love them both. Um, But unity is they, they the, the founder, Charles Fillmore, this is the mid-1800s, man. He has these revelations around the Bible and around the teachings. And he starts, like, 
really bringing them to life and bringing the metaphysical understanding of them and really shaking off um, all of the uh, fundamental mm. stuff that gets stuck onto, you know, the stories of the Bible and things like that. And, and he just, he created the metaphysical Bible dictionary, man. This dude took all the words and places and, and prayed and meditated on what the spiritual meaning is. And the key point is, which I love, you take a Bible story and you, you no longer are, you wonder, did it really happen? Mm-hmm. Didn't it happen? You don't get messed up in history. You apply it to your own personal spiritual evolution. So the people and the places represent aspects of your own consciousness. Mm. So they become stories that support you on your own journey. And so it's personal and it comes alive in each person. And I think that's the best gift that unity has has given to the world. They really, they're, they're Christian. Um, but they don't believe Jesus is the only way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're Christian in that they believe all of us need to become the Christed self. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I come from a fundamentalist background. My seminary training where I got my Master of Divinity was was conservative evangelical. And we definitely placed a strong emphasis on a literal reading of the biblical yeah. text. And my goodness, the arguments that would ensue <laughs> over yeah. trying to, to prove that Jonah was swallowed by a whale or that, oh or, or that you know, or, 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 or the historicity of Adam and Eve or, you know, I mean, every, I mean, a lot of a lot of metaphorical bloodshed over defending the, the historical um, factuality of these different stories and stuff. And it's, it, it, for me now on the other side, it's just a big adventure and missing the point. The point, yeah. the point is, like you said, the spiritual lessons, the spiritual principles that apply to you as an individual. The literal yeah. meaning is kind of like the lowest level of meaning when you're engaging yeah. with these texts. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it happens to all great movements, I think. You know, the closer you are to the one who had the revelations, you know, Christianity, Jesus, you know, like that, I just imagine was just filled with power and, and, and light, pure light and pure love. But every generation that goes by and then the decades and then the centuries, it just goes further and further and further from the inspiration and it becomes rule and then mm-hmm. becomes dogma. Right. And then people try to fit themselves, their square, their square, square pegs, trying to fit themselves into a round hole. And, and um, so, you know, everything needs continual um, life. It needs to be busted yes. open and, and brought to life for us today. And yes. I love scripture because metaphysical interpretation of it makes it alive for me today. Yes. And there's so many folks that I know who are going through or have gone through a deconstruction process, kind of questioning all of their belief systems that they inherited from a more fundamentalist background, who now feel like they just can't engage with these sacred texts and stories, particularly in the Bible, because there's just so much baggage that comes with it. And I understand that it took me a long time. I had to, I had to kind of just step away from the Bible for a while 
you know, before yeah. I could come back and revisit it with, with fresh eyes and actually glean something good from, from the text. Because yeah. for a while it was just triggering reading certain yep. things, you know, yep. I remember, I remember like I was probably eight years old and I, I was raised Catholic and Catholics don't read the Bible. Like, so that's kind of, there was something good in that, you know, you go to the church on Sunday, the priest gives you a talk and then you go home. But the Bible was sitting on the shelf. And I remember taking it off and trying to read it and just thinking, Oh my God, this is, I don't, I didn't understand anything. So I just put it back on the shelf. So when I was 14, when I started um, at Unity, I was kind of open. I had a lot of conditioning from the world, but I didn't do a lot of reading of it. So I was fortunate that I, it was easier for me. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about your experience with, with Christianity and how you got to where you are now in your spiritual path? I'd love to. I've tried to just cut me off if I go on too long. <laughs> but it's a good um, story. I've heard it, and I, I think people want to hear it because it's pretty good. Well, there's, good. So many piece, there's so many pieces to it. Um, I, I, I'm a gay man, and I was born in blue-collar Detroit where it was, like, not acceptable. And so at a very early age, I genuinely had, I call it, like, you know, spiritual trauma. I had a belief. I remember seven years old thinking that I'm going to die and burn in hell. So this is very traumatic for a young mind. You don't know how to hold that kind of apocalyptic imagery, Mm -hmm. you know? So already I'm really, you know, struggling deeply with unworthiness. Um, God doesn't want me, so I don't want God. You know, sort of all this very immature childlike behavior. But, you know, I was a kid. Um, So I, I... you know, threw it out. And then, like I mentioned, 14 started going to unity and started exploring, at least started a little bit of the healing, but then went to college and did what I, you know, partied and had fun at college. And then I got into heavy, hardcore addiction and out of college. And by 24, I was almost dead. Um, and from drugs and I had a miracle when I started going to 12 step meetings, and I, I was just new and I was young and all my friends would go out partying and here I'm going to this 12 step meeting in a church basement with a bunch of old people. That's what it was like in my head. <laughs> I'm not one of those old, <laughs> but I like, I was dying. I was seriously like killing myself and I was walking home as a Friday night. And this is just one of the examples. This is where I really feel like it began. I was walking home on a Friday night and I had finished the meeting and I was standing on a corner in Chicago and if I went left, I could go to the bars. And if I went straight, I could go home. And I stood there frozen on the corner. And the light just kept changing, and I could not walk. I so wanted to go to the bars. And I knew I needed to go home. And all I could do, all I could do was say, I, I said, God, take my hand, walk me home. I said something like that, God, walk wow. me home. And I swear to you, I, I put my hand out, and I felt the presence take my hand, and I walked home. Mm. Now that may sound like nothing to you, but dude, when you're going, you know, to use drugs every single night and one night your pattern changes and it changed not of my doing. (laughs) So that was the beginning of a living experience. Like that's when it was like, Oh, wait a minute. This is personal. This is no longer a book or about someone out there. Like something happened Mm. to me. So I've had other mystical 
experiences along my journey also ended up going to a 12-step or went to a treatment center in Canada because I still couldn't get myself together. Um, I was there for 30 days, and that was a very spiritual place. And that's where I believe my life really started turning around. Mm. And I just, you know, I, I, one of the counselors said to me, um, you, need, you need to learn how to forgive or you're going to die. Wow. And I remember that because I didn't know what the heck forgiveness was, <laughs> you know, but I'm telling you, she sent me on, she like touched my path mm. and sent me on this whole different journey where I spent years studying it, practicing it, exploring it, discovering what it is, what it isn't. I mean, like I've had miracles around the practice of forgiveness because of that one comment. Isn't that amazing? Like an angel, an angel on my path. Mm. And ever yeah. since, it's just been going deeper and deeper into this forgiveness. There's no, there's, there was nothing else for me to do but spirituality. And I worked as, I, I was a dancer and choreographer for 17 years. And it was a cool job. Like I traveled all over. I mean, I made, I made my real living doing that. But the whole while, I was like, I just want to do spirituality. <laughs> right. I just want like So it was interesting. Here I am having this, you know, flying all over and doing all kinds of cool stuff just getting my spiritual classes in <laughs> as much as I could do. And then I became a minister at uh, 38, 38 years old. Wow, 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 wow. If, so, if you could kind of summarize what your message is, how would you say it? Oh, gosh, that's an amazing question. I've never been asked that question. <laughs> what would I say my message is? Um Uh, Let's see. I absolutely know that there's only God, only love, whatever word you use, only God, only love, only life Mm -hmm. with, you know, and everything else is a lie. Mm -hmm. Everything else is just an illusion, a lie. Um, I really know that I am deeply loved and there's nothing else I can be. I don't have any existential suffering. Right. around this. I don't know. I mean, that's one of my miracles because, like, you know, a kid who knew God hated me and that I was unworthy to someone who's like, oh man, I can't, I can't be anything but worthy. <laughs> like, Love it. Like, Love it. That's, a, that's a miracle. So Love it. I don't know. I'm just, I'm loved. There's nothing else I can be. I'm eternal life. There's nothing else I can be. And that's I it. continue. That's it. I continue to work on little things that seduce me and cut the cords. You right. know, that's the best part of what we do, right? It's like we're helping people remember who they are. Yeah, and to yeah. to remember that they are loved completely, yeah. totally. Now, yeah. can you talk a little bit about how Jesus still fits in or doesn't into your spiritual path? Yes. Um, that's another story. <laughs> um, I didn't have much to do with Jesus. I had I got to a neutral place around Jesus. Like I just got neutral, but I didn't have any, any real like love connection. I didn't have any, like, I didn't even quite know how to converse or connect, you know, but I went to India and I stayed in ashram for 30 days and like day three or four, and the monks are brilliant. Like they're teaching, they teach metaphysics and spirituality at this place. Like it was so beautiful and, and, and cool. 
And like day four, I'm meditating and I hear Jesus inside of me. And he's like, take my hand. I'm your divine. And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't want that. I'm like, no, like I, I'm going Eastern, man. I want to go. I'm trying to run away from you, dude. Yeah, Stop I'm, haunting I'm over me. here in India. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> um, and I, I tried, I, you know, and then the next day it happened again. And it's, I'll kind of sum, I'll make the story simpler. So anyways, again, in deep meditation. And so I felt like it was like, take my hand. I'm your brother. I just want to help you. That was the energy. It was so loving. So inside me, like I, saw myself taking the hands of Jesus and we just like flew up into white light. It was just like this first like experience of like where the mind just um, kind of just goes blank and it's filled with light. And I never really experienced that before without drugs for sure. Um, (laughs) And, and it was, um, it was just beautiful. And Jesus hung out with me every single day. Mm. <laughs> like, I swear to you, talking to me, feeling present. And it's much more acceptable, by the way, in the East, in India, like people walking with their divine, talking with their divine. Mm-hmm. It's a way of life. Their culture, their mind is trained that this is all good and wonderful. And so they can do it more easily than us in the Western world, where it's more factual. Right. You know, it's, it's harder here. But when you go to a place like this, suddenly you're open to things that, so I'm so grateful for that. So that's when we became what I call him my best friend. And it's like sexy Jesus, cool Jesus. Like, like he just wears jeans and a cool <laughs> shirt. Like, like you know, um, but I do want to tell one more story because it's everything. It's just what, what's possible inside of us. And, you know, spirit uses our mind, uses our imagination, uses imagery to heal us. It's like, that's how the mind works. It makes movies and things like that, you know? So, um, so I was in a teaching in class and the monk is talking and, you know, they would do a teaching and then we'd meditate or we'd have some process. And while the monk's talking, I'm hearing Jesus. He's like, keep saying my name. Just don't stop saying my name. And I'm like, what the heck is this now? <laughs> And so I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to listen to the monk. And it was just before the meditation time. So he said, okay, let us move into meditation. So I went way to the back of the room because I knew Jesus had another plan for me than what the monk was going to facilitate. So I went to the back of the room, I closed my eyes, and it was just strong. So I just kept saying, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. And I didn't know why, Danny. I did not know why hmm. this was happening. But I just kept saying it, saying it, saying it. Suddenly, in my head, like a, a rodeo ring of like every negative word name I was ever called wow. or myself or others. It was like, it's just like this attack of like swirling, swirling. And I was right in the most going, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. It was like, like I was in the eye of the storm mm. and the storm was just everything. And then like, it just went, wow. All of them disappeared. And all of those voices of hatred, they just were healed by me. So I get, I get here. They, they were healed by me just saying the name Jesus Christ. I mean, what the heck is that, man? Wow. That's amazing. That's love. I know. I know. It was a real healing. It, it really was because, you know, it, I, I don't know fully your story, but I know a lot of people listening. I know the pain. 
mm-hmm. of the voice that just hates us, right. that won't leave us alone. Not good enough. Not good enough. Why did you say that? Oh my God, what will people think of you? Like that, that's hell. Yes. Yes, <laughs> it hell. is. Yes, it is. So, you know, so, so now obviously I have a good relationship with you. <laughs> right, right, right. And I've, I mean, I've heard messages of yours, at least when you were at unity in, in Naples, you you, 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 you teach from the words of Jesus and, and you pull out from, from the Jewish and Christian scriptures. And I am interested in, in diving into the teachings of a course in miracles. Okay. I actually, I'm not, I'm not too informed, but I have dabbled here and there in, in a course in miracles. I read a book that was recommended to me from someone at Hartway by Marianne Williamson. Uh-huh. Oh man, what was the main book that she wrote? Gosh, what was it called? I loved every page of it. I I've read her book, but I'm not sure. She's got a number of them, so I'm yeah. not sure. Well, um, I can Google it because I'm on my computer. Let's see. Marianne Williamson. It's called, let's see here. A return to love. A return to love. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did you ever read that? I read that a long time ago. Yeah. It, the the subtitle yeah. is Reflections on the Principles of a Course in Miracles, and yeah. uh, Marianne Williamson. Uh, I think she tried running for president in 2016, and uh, I think a lot of folks. No. Yeah, 16. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, in 2016, and I follow her on, yep. on Instagram, and ever since I, I read that book because it was so eye-opening, but f- how, how do you interact with A Course in Miracles? How did that relationship begin, and, and what have you gleaned from there? And wait, before you say that, why I'm interested in A Course in Miracles is because the language is very Christian. Christian. and the Traditional. Yes, it's traditional Christian language, but it's being used in a way that's conveying truth very powerfully and and differently than how most people are used to. Yeah, yeah. And I want to address that because that triggers a lot of people. And I Mm. believe, you know, and again, like Aaron and I talk a lot about this. I mean, we teach a lot about this, that, um, you know, Number one, the book was channeled in the late 60s, mid to late 60s, into the early 70s. So you have to consider the language at the time. It was very acceptable that every book was written with the male pronoun. That's just how it was. So for a book to have been written with a female pronoun approach, it wouldn't have even been effective. It wouldn't even have been possible. I don't believe it. And I believe the energy is completely both and mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. book. I don't believe there is a male God. I believe it was written, but I also think it's really cool to watch people have to bump up against how words, how they use words to keep themselves out of the game, how they use words as excuses yeah. to not forgive or to get upset. Mm. And I think it's so a lot of, there's opportunity to heal words like heaven, kingdom, God, he, um, it's, it's, it's fast salvation. Like it Holy really spirit, uses, father. Holy, it, yes. All of it. It's all in their traditional words, but just like Charles Fillmore took the metaphysical Bible stories and made them alive. The course in miracles really brings the spirit of 
all of it into all these words. It's really quite beautiful to me. Hmm. Um, so, go ahead. No, I was just going to get into like kind of the, the, the message. So the message is, is very, very clear. And it's very, very challenging. Very simply, it says, kind of what I said to you before, there's only God and there's everything else is a lie. The Course in Miracles would say there is love and there is fear. Fear is not real. Therefore, there is only love. Mm. That's a perfect equation. Wow. wow. <laughs> That's wow. a perfect equation. Love everything plus fear nothing equals love. Mm. <laughs> So that's kind of how it kicks off. And the key point of it is it's a mind training book that helps you train the mind to focus on the loving thoughts, to focus on the Holy Spirit, which is implanted in us, and to help us to really reach peace, right. to be in a state of peace, which is such a beautiful gift that we all that we all need. Yeah. Um, so I, I just think the, the Course in Miracles perfectly teaches oneness. It really does. And it makes us look at what is real, capital R, like real of God eternal, and what is made up? What right. is the illusion? Right. And it's, it really makes you look at it. It makes us, it says, hey, look at this world of hatred. Look at this world of killing and fighting and fear. That is not God. Mm -hmm. That is made up. And that is not what's real. That is what must be dissolved. And the Course in Miracles gives us a methodical way for that to be dissolved. So how how would you counsel someone who is in the illusion to begin that unraveling process? What does that look like? Well, they have to be ready, you know, but if they're interested, you know, I would invite them to start looking at how they have within them there are times when you have loving thoughts and when you have loving thoughts and you feel connected, you could start there and go, Oh, this is like a taste mm. of what, you know, God or spirituality could be. And when you have fearful thoughts and unworthiness and angry and upset thoughts, you could look at that and go, this doesn't feel like love. Right. I mean, you could literally, or you could separate the two. What feels like love? What feels like fear? Mm. You could leave all the, uh, sacred words off of it. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you could just say, what is, you know, and where, what is true? What feels good? What feels good? Because what feels good is our pointer to what feels like God. Right. So that is paying attention. It's listening. It's, it's, it's being, and then it really calls us to stop the things that we have deemed so acceptable, you know, People really, and me too, we allow ourselves to just be sloppy with our thinking. We allow ourselves to just kind of be like a wild, untrained dog in the yard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what our mind is like. That's what our thinking's like. And then we go, why am I landing here? Why is my relationship this way? Why am I broke? You know, we are divine creators. You're creating your reality. That's not blame. Right. That's truth. Right. And so when you just pause and look and I go, oh, well, I just spent the day with a thousand thoughts that were nice and 2000 thoughts that were mean, mm -hmm. what are you going to get? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's law. It's how it works. So wow. it, it really heals all of that. But more than all of that, it awakens you 
the truth of your being, which is you are the extension of God. I love one of the lines in the course says, you will, and I'm not a great quarter, but it's like, this is the idea. You will never find where God ends and you begin. Mm, I love that. Isn't that lovely? I love it. You'll never find where God ends and you begin. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to get into a little bit your experience as a minister and, Uh and the, the, the good, the, the, the more challenging aspects of, of doing ministry, that first church that you started in, in Chicago, right? Yeah. It it grew pretty large, pretty fast. Yeah. Well, in 11 years, it was from three people at my dining room table to a thousand. Wow. And it still so, exists, right? Actually, it just closed okay. down with last year. The person who who went after me, you know, it's just a series of things, and right. yeah, I wasn't involved. But now yeah. they they end up closing. So, what what have you learned? How do you feel your journey as a minister has impacted your own spiritual evolution? It has made me. It's it, it, in every way. It's in every way, because I'll be very honest, there are times when I, it made me face my codependency. Mm. It made me face my people pleasing, you know, Um, it made me have to, you know, when you've got volunteers all around you and leadership training programs and, and Sundays and productions and holidays and all that, you know, it's like, it's all consuming. Um, And I loved it and I loved it but I didn't have good self care. Like, and I didn't even yeah. want good self care because all I wanted to do was, was right. do it. You know? right. So the beginning years were, were so passionate and so amazing. Um, but then, you know, all of the, I'm a good creator. I'm good at founding things. I'm good at starting things. I'm not a good manager. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> So when the organization, the church, the spiritual center, went from the fun three to four years, five years of creation, and then moved into establishment, that's when I hit my hard times. Yeah. Between years five and 11, and lots of good times, but but that's where I was being stretched beyond my natural talent. Mm. And that's when it's hard, because ministers in our, in our culture, at least the culture I was in, they're expected to do everything. You know, I've got to be able to be, sit, you know, I've got to be a good pastoral care person and sit and hold someone's hand. And then I've got to be an amazing speaker and move yeah. hundreds and hundreds of people. And then I've got to be able to balance the budget and go to a board meeting. Gosh. Then I've got to teach. Then I've got to run a staff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had a staff of 10 to 12 people. Yeah. Um, so it, it was just like one person is not capable. If you really put on a job description, all that is expected to be three pages long. And any person who works in the business world would go, this is five people. There's no way you're going to find one person to do this. So what happens to us is it is way too much. I can't do it all, nor am I talented in all of these ways. So you end up just vibing towards what your gifts are Mm. Because at least you feel good there. Right, right. right. <laughs> at least it's like, oh, I'm succeeding here. Yeah. But those other parts, it's, it, you know, so I was just, I had mentors and coaches and like I really had as much support as I could get. And I was starting to begin to see, 
because I founded the place. And when you found the place, it's like your baby. Like I haven't had physical children. I had a spiritual community and it was my baby. And so it's also like you're merged with it. You know, mm-hmm. it's alive because of your life force. Mm-hmm. And then over time, it's not alive because of your life force. <laughs> right, right. It, it's something else. So it made me stretch and grow in every single way. And the gifts now, I really, really practice. Like every single person brings me to myself. Mm. Every single person. You know, I practice forgiveness. Oh, I'm having a negative thought about them. What's that about me? Like it's really, it, it causes me to do my own work on myself because I'm so passionate about my awakening. Um, so that's really how I approach it. But today, I don't know. I, I don't know what the, the future of church is. It's, right. It's confusing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think about my you know, short experience. It's, it's been, it's been 10 years, but I'm, I'm, I'm 32. I, I started ministry in my twenties. Uh, but in, in this time frame that I've been doing this, this has been a major lesson in not taking things personal. Yeah. Well, that's everything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But there's so much, in and out, you know, it's like a spiritual community, at least in my experience, has been like a revolving door. No, nobody is going to be there forever. You know, there's yeah. people that come and then and then they go and, and sometimes they go and and there's it's it's a beautiful departure. Other times they go and, and you know, it's it's not as as beautiful you know, because yeah. of expectations maybe that we place on people and, and that then begins to leave room for assumptions to be made. And, and if you take it personal, my gosh, I mean, emotionally, it's, it's so easy to become a wreck. And I've definitely, I've definitely been learning for a while now not to take things personal. Yeah. I, I yeah. was a chaplain for five years at a homeless shelter here in the area. And I love that experience. It was, uh, it was, it was a beautiful environment to do ministry. Mm-hmm. And I remember leaving there and thinking, man, this is perfect. It's like, I get to minister to people and help them with their addictions and their trauma and their healing. And I mean, all the way doing what I love. And then I get to clock out and go home. And yeah. it's like separate, you know, it's like, yeah. that's, the, that's the homeless shelter. This is yeah. my life. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, us knowing each other, we're, we're different in that you're more of an introvert. And, you know, I, I think I joked with you before that I was like, you know, dude, you could go be a monk and you didn't even miss a beat. You're like, oh yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, like that was like a given um, where I am that extroverted um, kind of show guy. Like I really love like Sundays is my jam yeah. and you're great. at it. You're brilliant at it. I mean, you're really gifted. Um, but I didn't have that pastoral care thing. I didn't have that when that was in my training, you know, I, and we had to go to hospital visits and all those things that we had to do mm-hmm. in our training. Where do you, I was like, how long do I have to stay here before I can <laughs> leave? Like it was hard. It wasn't my natural. Yeah. It wasn't my that's good. But I bow to you. If you started this work in your twenties, yeah. that I couldn't have done it. Wow. I I wasn't ready. I and mean, I was not 
I, I mean, obviously I had to go through a lot in my life, mm-hmm. you know, my twenties and my thirties, mm-hmm. but, um, I really am impressed that, that you answered the call so early. Yeah, no. And I mean, I, I enjoy it. I love what I do. I love who I get to do it with. And, and I joke about the difficulty of people, but, but I, I love it. I, I, I wouldn't have it any other way, even with, with the challenges that come with, with relationships. It's just life. It's a part of it. And it's, and it's all a part of my spiritual practice. Like you said, it's yeah. all an opportunity to remember. It's not personal. It's all an opportunity to forgive. It's all an opportunity to practice reconciliation and to continue to love others unconditionally. Yeah, like there's 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 almost no better training ground than being in spiritual community. And so how do you you know, how do you feel about the value of spiritual community? Well, I think it's very valuable um, for sure. I want to back up, though, for one second, then I'll go to that, because there's there's something I do want to make mention of. And this is hard and this is hard for everybody. And I think, you know, this, too, that. People come in and they put us on pedestals. Yes. We become, they, they love us in the beginning, but they project onto us their unhealed parts with their mother and their father and their life or their lover or whatever. And so, you know, I would always feel when new people come in and they're like, oh, they're all starstruck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I was always nervous because <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm coming off that pedestal at some oh, point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I know I'm. I'm never going to push me off. You know, and I, I used to joke, I'm like, please just make it a short pedestal. I, I fall really high. <laughs> Listen, Hartway knows. I, I let everybody know. I will disappoint you. Yeah. And I will yeah. not meet your expectations. Yeah. And I love yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that, that is hard, and I think, I think you feel this. I don't know. I don't remember if we talked about it, but, you know, when people do leave, they leave the church. They leave like on their terms, but they don't realize that they're also leaving me. They're leaving my relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a weird, it's not personal, but yet we had a personal relationship right. and I love seeing them. And like, right. you know, so it's like, there's not a lot of, like when people go from communities, I think they, they leave the whole thing, not realizing that we actually have hearts. <laughs> you know that we actually feel and like you know that that they matter yeah I've, I've 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 talked to i've talked to a lot of ministers who um have not responded well to the coming and going of people and and i've seen what happens to the heart that becomes hardened as a result yeah. of of not responding from a place of, of openness and acceptance and love. And that is a very difficult place to be in mentally and emotionally when you, yeah. when you start harboring bitterness and resentment in yep. your heart, you know, for whatever reason, because you make it about you. And so, but I yeah. get it. It's not, it's not easy. And so I think yeah. nowadays in, in, in our in our culture it's so easy to get spiritual teaching without the community relational aspect of it and that's yeah. totally cool like we're recording a podcast now you know obviously this is a bunch of people are going to hear this from all over the place 
And that's totally fine. Like, that's cool. You don't have to be a part of a spiritual community. But but there is something beautiful about getting together with other people who are on that same wavelength, who are vibrating at the same uh, level and who come with a shared intention. And yes, relationships can be messy. Uh, but at the same time, that is the very place where where growth and awakening occurs. Yeah, I completely agree. I think spiritual community is the place for people that really want and really want to awaken. And here's why. You can stay home and watch your videos and really get a lot out of it. But community gives you like-minded people on the same journey that you can practice new language with. You can practice being the self in you that's flowering open and that is, is, you know, your experience of the divine and expression. If you sit in your bedroom and watch a video and have that feeling, but then you go outside and all you have right. are your family, the people who are like at a particular different mm-hmm. way of knowing you, mm-hmm. it's harder to evolve. Yeah. It's, it's like sometimes we need to go away from our family system and the places we grew up and be with new people that are on the same path because, we, we just get to become it and we get to bump into each other and we get to practice these things and bring those gifts home. Yeah. You know, that's why I think community is, is everything. I think it's so important. And the course in miracles does teach by the way that you'll never get there without your brother. You'll never mm. get, if you do not do it with each other. And you know, it's a whole nother conversation talking about finding a safe community and a safe space. I think there aren't too many of those available for a lot of people, you know, yeah. but, but hopefully as a result of conversations like this and, and as spirit continues to move in people's hearts, uh, more communities will be formed where people can, can come together and share and be vulnerable and open up and heal together. Yeah. There's, there's one yeah. phrase that a, a, a Quaker teacher that I admire uses. He, he talks about spiritual community as a place where we can be alone together. Mm, being nice. alone together that lights you up <laughs> oh yes absolutely absolutely yeah because you know what that is that is that is a fundamental aspect of my spiritual practice this idea of even when i'm with others within myself i'm alone yeah and practicing that 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 inner solitude even when you're in the presence of others it's a, it's a beautiful thing, you know, because yeah, I can, I can tell you where most communities are failing. I think if mm. you're interested, please, um, I think that there is a big evolution around how to communicate. Now relationships need another involvement. Like how do we express our feelings? How do we share without could no longer to like, okay, you don't hurt me. I know that I have hurt within myself. We literally have to learn a new way of languaging our feelings, our relationship, our way of being. It's like spiritual psychology yeah. is the evolution that we're in. But the old paradigm didn't teach that. Right. So we've got like the four agreements, things like this. We've got to speed up somehow so that we're actually not only teaching people principles and ways and spiritual truths that turn them on, but now how do they how do their relationships learn to live in those new places? Yes. That's like, you know, I've been m- married for 25 years 
And that's been an ongoing thing of us learning how to communicate, how to evolve mm. all of these things so that they catch up with what we're doing. That's big. Very big. Well, Mark, thanks, man, for your time, for your love, for your energy, for your message. And how can people follow up with you and connect with you? Well, uh, please join me on Instagram. I'm looking at I've been working on that one. So that's just at Mark Anthony Lord. Uh, so that's easy. And then my website is uh, MarkAnthonyLord.me. Awesome. So you can go there and, and check that out. So that'd be awesome. And thank you so much for, I'm really honored to, number one, I'm so happy to see you and get yeah. to talk because it's been a while. But um, to be on your show, that's just really, I feel honored. For sure, man. All right. Appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, peace and love.